Thank you, man. Awesome. Welcome, everyone. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church in the Overflow. We love you guys. Thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you for loaning us Aaron Talley for worship this morning. We, uh, we appreciate you as well, Aaron. Thank you for leading us. Uh, James chapter 3 is where we'll be this morning. James chapter 3. James chapter 3, a message about our words, about our, uh, the way we use our tongue. Any of you ever played a game called Words with Friends? Hands? Words with friends, you play words with friends. Uh, for those of us who don't play words with friends, what is words with friends? Yeah, it's kind of Scrabble. Words with friends is not officially associated with the Scrabble Corporation, so therefore they can't call it Scrabble. But words with friends is a Scrabble game that, that your kids and grandkids are, are playing now on their phones, on Facebook. Words with friends is a Scrabble game that you play against opponents that are elsewhere. They're not in the room with you. They're somewhere else on their phone, and you play it on your phone. It's just like Scrabble, and it can take days and days, weeks and weeks, months and months, even years and years. Uh, that's part of the generation that, that we live in. Uh, in other words, uh, the first player will, will, will have, you know, tiles on, on their little thing, just like in Scrabble. You'll pick a word, you'll put the word out, and then that appears on your opponent's screen. And then when they're good and ready, they can put a word up, and that's how you make a Scrabble game last for weeks. Uh, it's called Words with Friends. Uh, a lot of folks are playing it these days. You can choose your own opponent, or you can be assigned an opponent through the game. It's actually kind of fun. The thing about words with friends, though, that's very different from Scrabble in the old days is, is when we used to play Scrabble with an actual board and tiles made of wood. <laughs> Papa used to play with tiles made of wood. Uh, you could put the words out on, on the board, but th there were certain rules against just like throwing out non-words. And I tried it all my life. You would be sitting there with tiles, and after a couple of plays, all you have left are like I's, P's, and K's. You ever did that? Like you have four I's and a P and a K, and you start thinking, okay, what word? Is there a word with nothing but, you know, four I's, a P, and a K? Here's the thing. Words with friends just lets you throw things out. Because until you actually put a word up, it, it doesn't stick. It's not sent to your opponent. So you can actually spend a good part of your day, if you want to, just putting up letters and seeing where you can form a word. And that's kind of what makes some people love the game and, and really what makes a lot of people hate the game. Some people consider that cheating. Other people consider that strategy. Just throwing words up to see what sticks. Because in words with friends, there is no penalty for just throwing words out to see what sticks. But here's the thing, in real life, in real life words with friends, in real life talking, you can't just throw words out there. And this is the message from the book of James today, and it is the message rather throughout Scripture. The Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. Life and death. In, in other words, if we want to talk about something very serious, we'd say, it's a matter of life and death. And this is exactly what the Bible says. Life and death are, are within the power of the tongue. And it's very, very easy in our lives to fall into a habit of using words destructively. We can use words with the power of death. And, and this is what the scripture calls to mind today. Let's look together. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Let's think about real life words with friends. Here we go. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, 
we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. That's amazing. If we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and also control ourselves in every other way. In other words, controlling your tongue is, is really one of the most important things you can do in your spiritual life. Verse 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is itself set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Okay, you understand, stop right here. We're talking about that thing in your mouth. That thing in your mouth, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God, and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, no. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. We're talking about that thing in your mouth. We're talking about your tongue. We're, we're talking about the way you use your words. Phil, uh, Phil was at a ball game. It was a, it was a local college game, and it was the third quarter, and he was in the bathroom with his buddies, and they were washing their hands. Phil was, was pretty wound up. He was really into the game. He was upset about some of the calls the referees had made. And uh, again, he was really just kind of into it and, and really full of himself at that moment. And so he was at the sink washing his hands, but he was just talking really, really loud. And in a men's room, your voice carries forever anyway, if ladies, you don't know that. Uh, it, it just carries. And so he's talking. And as he's talking, he, he's actually cussing a lot, probably more than he even realized because he's just, you know, talking about the, you know, the, the blanking referees and, and that blank, blank call and that blank and blank another team and, and, and blank this and blank that. And he just continued to wash his hands and just rant and rant and cuss and cuss. And, and he didn't think much about it because that's just kind of the way he full talks until he looked over and at the sink next to him, seriously, at the sink next to him was his pastor, his pastor. The pastor just uh, washed his hands and kept his face down, and his face was really red. And Phil knew his pastor was really embarrassed, and the pastor just dried his hands and just left the bathroom. Well, Phil, man, he felt about this tall. And, and, and so Phil immediately had to start thinking about what he's going to say next time he saw his pastor, which would be on Sunday. Phil went to church every Sunday. He knew that he'd have to face his pastor and say something. So actually, he spent Friday nights, all day Saturday, Saturday night, and into Sunday practicing what he would say to his pastor. So at the end of Sunday, when everybody's walking out and shaking the preacher's hand, Phil said, Pastor, I, I just want to apologize to you. I'm sorry that you had to hear all that that I said the other night at the ball game. But, but Pastor, I, I just want to, I, I want you to understand something. That's not really how I am. What you heard, that's not... That's not me. 
Y'all want to take a vote on that? Seriously? Was that Phil or was that not Phil? All that pouring out of his mouth. What do you think? Is it even remotely possible that that man standing there in the bathroom cussing like everything, is it even remotely possible that that was not Phil? Oh, it was Phil. No question about it. That was Phil. And is it even remotely possible that, that all of that coming out of his mouth, is it even remotely possible that that, 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 that wasn't somehow in him, that, that it comes out of him because it's in him? Is it even remotely a possibility that that was not the real Phil talking in the bathroom that night? You've got to understand that it is not remotely possible that that, that was not Phil and that that was not the real Phil talking. It's not remotely possible because we have the authority of Scripture on it. If Jesus' own words in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says it is out of the overflow of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. That means it comes out of you because it's in you. So whether you're Phil or somebody like Phil or, or, or whatever, we tend to like to see ourselves in the most positive light ever. We like to imagine ourselves as somehow very positive and very kind. And so when something comes pouring out of our mouth that would somehow contradict the image we keep of ourselves, we just simply like to say, well, that's not me. That's not really me. That's not really how I feel, or that's not really how I think, or that's just not the real me. That was just, that, that, that was, you know, just the medication talking. No, Jesus says it comes out of you because it's in you. It's out of the abundance, out of the overflow of the heart. So what it is down deep inside, it is going to always come bubbling out. That's what the Bible says. What is in you will always come out of you. And the surest way, honestly, the best way to know who you are is to pay close attention to what you say. Because it's going to come out of you. It's always going to come out of you. It's what the Bible says. James has this really, actually amazing passage. These 12 verses are all about the tongue, all about the words that we use. And for those people like Phil that I use in the story, those of us who tend to think that, you know, you don't have to pay attention to everything I say, that everything I say is not important. Sometimes it's the real me talking and sometimes it's not the real me. No, scripture makes it very, very clear that you must pay very careful attention to everything that comes out of your mouth. You are accountable, you are responsible for every single word that comes out of your mouth. It is not somehow beside the point the way you talk in church compared to the way you'll talk at work tomorrow or at school or on the football field or wherever else you go. Do you understand? It comes out of you because it's in you. And so, as James is talking to the Christians here in, in, in his particular epistle, he's trying to make them understand how very important it is to control their mouths. Very important to be in control of what comes out of your mouths. Verse 2, indeed we all make many mistakes, but if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every way. Now notice he's going to use several analogies now, starting in verse 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a, say the word, small, a small bit in its mouth and, and a 
a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In other words, big ship, strong winds, itty-bitty rudder, okay? In the same way, the tongue is a small thing, makes big speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. Notice all of the analogies play off the idea that something so small could do so much damage. Something so small could have so much power. Again, I remind you that the Bible says that, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Tremendous power in, in our words. Surely most of you have lived long enough to have seen the way uh, the right word spoken in the right moment can, can absolutely bring a person to life. How words can encourage and build up. How words can change the very course of the life of a young person. The right word spoken by the right person at, at the right time. Surely you've seen that. You've experienced how a person's words can bring so much healing to your heart. How a person's words spoken aptly can somehow bring such calm or, or such confidence. It's amazing the power of words to build up, the, the power of words to, to give life. But in the same way, this incredible power of words to, to kill, the power of words to destroy. If you've seen words build up and heal and bring good, surely by now you have seen and experienced what happens when somebody just lets the words fly. When somebody lets the words just pour out and the words are ugly and, and the words kill and the words rip apart and some of us have suffered the words of others, the Bible says it's like a, a very salt, small spark, but it can set an entire forest on fire. Your mouth can set your whole life on fire. Do you understand this? Do you understand that a lot of the problems you're facing in your life boil down to the fact that you don't pay any attention to what comes out of your mouth? The relationship problems with which you struggle, a lot of the problems, if not all the problems that you're facing, they have something to do with the way you run your mouth, the way you allow your mouth just to, to, just to fly. The, the very powers of life and death are in your tongue, the, the scripture says. It, it's like a, a small spark, but, 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 but it, can, it can create this entire fire, burn down the whole forest. See, the thing is, some of you don't understand the, the destructive power of your words but because it's like your words are the small spark, but it's not you that gets burned. It's everybody else that gets burned by your mouth. So you don't necessarily relate to that. You're always, you see, on, on the other end of it. You don't necessarily understand what it is to live in your house. You don't necessarily understand what it is to work next to you. You don't really understand the power, the effect that your words have. But the word of God is trying to call you back to paying attention to this. If you could control your tongue, the Bible says, you could be perfect in every other way. That is a very, very important and bold promise. That if you could manage to master your tongue, therefore you would have control in every other area of your life. That sounds almost unbelievable, but why don't we just give it a try? 
Why not in our lives, as much as we try to focus and make ourselves better Christians, what if we just focused on this one thing and that would be what comes out of our mouths? I feel like that's what the scripture's saying. If you really want to pour your energy into becoming the person Christ wants you to be, then maybe you put a whole lot of your energy toward watching what you say. Got to watch what you say. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? Well, I'll speak first for myself. It's really, really hard because I talk all the time. I talk way too much. Thank you for not saying amen, although you're thinking it. I I talk way too much. I talk all the time. If things get quiet, I just start talking. Somebody ought to talk. Might as well be me. I'll just talk. I talk way too much, and I am among a congregation of people who talk way too much. We just talk all the time. And the more we talk, the more likely it is that we're going to say something we shouldn't say. Uh, Honestly, one place to start for me and a place to start for many of you is to just try to talk less. Let's just try to zip it. We do not have to say everything that pops into our minds. We do not have to fill the silence all the time. That's not our job. Actually, sometimes silence is good. And it could be that the people around us are silent because they like it that way, not because they're inviting us to tell them another story. You understand? The more we talk, the more likely it is that we're going to say something inappropriate, something harmful, something hurtful, something just silly. Why don't we just work on talking less? That's the first pit for most of us. We just talk too much. For some of us, honestly, we crave attention. We just crave attention. Not necessarily to be the one up front talking, not so much in the spotlight, but in a social group at work or at school. We want to be important somehow in the group. And so if we can somehow be the source of information, in other words, if we can be the one who kind of knows stuff and always has you know, the, the, the latest news to, to tell about everybody else, we don't think of that as gossip. We think of it as essential information. We just like to be the ones that know it and have it. And so sometimes we crave the attention of being the one who's always got the latest news or the one who's able to tell everybody what's going on with everybody else. We like to be that source of information or maybe that source of entertainment. We like to be the one with the joke off the top of our head or the one that's always making everybody else laugh. The problem is that that tendency to crave attention is going to lead us to say things that ought not be said. That desire to be the source of information, it does lead you to gossip. It leads you to talk about people rather than talking to people, and that is a sin. It's always a sin. Always a sin to talk about people and not to people. But you enjoy being the source of information. You don't mean to hurt people. You just like everybody to know everything that you know. And you like everybody to know that you know everything. And that leads you to sort of run your mouth way too much. Just craving that attention. Wanting to be the source of information and and entertainment. And, And honestly, some of us... We just want to be somebody. We don't want to be a a, a nobody. And so we use our words, what we talk, in order to lift ourselves up. We like to talk so people know that we're smart. Or we like to talk so that people know that we're there. 
or we like to talk so that we can very subtly tear other people down because for some sick reason, when we're making somebody else uh, feel low, it makes us feel higher. If we can make somebody else look silly, then, then somehow we think that makes us look better. We use our words very selfishly. We use our words very purposefully to lift ourselves up, to make ourselves somebody that we wish we were. And the only way to do that is to somehow tear everybody else down. If you're not that person, then you probably know somebody like that. The world is filled with people who seem to only feel good when they're making somebody else feel bad. And words are weapons. Words are sticks. Words are stones. And words are very, very potent if you want to make somebody else feel lower than dirt. At the same time, for a moment, it's like a sugar high. You'll feel better about yourself. But it doesn't change who you are. The fact that you've just ripped everybody in the room to shreds, the, the fact that you brought everybody else down to your level, that doesn't lift you up any higher. It's a small thing, your tongue. It's a very small thing. And the words you speak, you don't even think about them. I mean, your mouth just runs all, all the time. You hardly even think about what's, what's coming out. But the Bible says you're setting fires. You have no idea sometimes that the fires that you set, you have no idea how you hurt people. You have no idea. I, I pray you don't know how you hurt people. Because if you know then that suggests something very wicked about your heart. Surely you don't know. But just like Miss Donna told the children this morning, the, the tongue bone is connected to the heart bone. I know, I know, no bones, but you understand the connection. It's a biblical connection. So it's a chicken and egg thing. Which, which should I change first? I mean, should I change my words and, and hope that changes my heart? Or should I try to change my heart and hope that changes my words? I, I, I'm not sure. I don't know. The Bible does say that you should concentrate on changing your words. Concentrate on controlling your tongue. Concentrate on, on being the master of what comes out of your own mouth. I think that power probably does belong somewhat to you. I mean, after all, it, it is your mouth opening and closing every time you tell it to. I mean, I think you've got some control over this. Heart matters, though, I believe, belong to Christ. Heart matters belong to Christ. Maybe it's a partnership. Maybe truly it is the power of the gospel that changes my heart. And the way I participate in the transformation, the way I willingly submit to the, to the holiness that Christ is trying to create in my heart, maybe one of the primary ways I partner with Christ in sanctification is by monitoring what comes out of my mouth. Maybe he changes my heart and then it's my job to watch my own mouth. Book of James makes it clear, in every situation of your life, you have to control what you say. In every single situation of your life, you must be in control of what you say. Is it, is it really that true? Is it really as true as the Bible suggests that, that words have power? If you study the Old Testament, the Old Testament's written in the Hebrew language, and one of the first things you learn in baby Hebrew class is that there is one word in the Hebrew language for word, 
but there is no other word for action. The word for word and the word for deed are the same word. They only have one Hebrew word. It's devar. The word devar means word and it also means deed. In other words, in the Bible, in the Bible's worldview, words are deeds. If you say something, you have done something. They don't make a distinction between words and deeds. They understand very fully that when you speak, you set things in motion. It is to act in the world. Speaking is not passive, it's active. It's not to do nothing. To speak is to do something. Remember the story in, in, in the life of Isaac when he was blind and his sons deceived him. Uh, Jacob came in with his arms covered with sheepskin and he pretended to be his brother Esau. Do you remember the story of how they deceived? And remember how in that story Jacob receives the blessing that was intended for Esau because he deceived his blind father. And, and Isaac thought he was speaking over Esau and he's speaking over Jacob. So when Esau comes in after the blessings already been given to the wrong son, what, is, what does Esau say? But bless me too. Bless me. And what does Isaac say? The, the blessing's already been given. There's this really strong sense in that story that you can't unsay it. That, that once that blessing is spoken over one, even if it was done under deceit, you can't take it back. This really strong sense that once words have been spoken, they're not going to be erased. There's no rewinding. That there's no somehow taking the sting out of the words once they've already met their target. Do you understand? In the Bible, to speak is to do something. Words are things. Words are deeds. Words truly have this power of life and death. So just stop and think about it. Think about your own life. And think about the power that's in your words. Let me let you in on, on some secrets. You have a tremendous capacity in your own life based on how you talk to yourself. Because it starts there. You have a relationship with yourself, right? I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but how many of you talk to yourself? Everybody talks. Everybody talks to yourself. I, I talk to myself all the time out loud in the mirror with feeling if nobody's home. I just talk to myself, you do too. We have a kind of relationship with ourselves. And the way you talk to yourself is going to have a tremendous impact in your own life, in your spiritual life. How do you talk to yourself? Some of you only use words that tear down and destroy your own soul, your own self. You stand there and you tell yourself that you're ugly and you stand there and tell yourself that you're dumb. You tell yourself that nobody will ever love you. you Tell yourself that nobody likes you, that you have no friends. This is how you talk to yourself. Do you understand? I don't even think some of us would talk to our worst enemy the way we talk to ourselves. Now, I'm not necessarily saying to stand in the mirror and go, you're beautiful, baby. You are beautiful. You are awesome, awesome. Matt Betts does that. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. At our staff meeting, this guy is so funny. At our staff meeting, Matt took off his shoes because we're on a boat. He took off his shoes. When Matt Betts took off his shoes, he started telling us how pretty his feet are. And this is what he said. Matt Betts said that women go get pedicures so that their feet can look like his. <laughs> yeah, he said it, yeah. Oh my goodness, I'm not saying that every time you kick your shoes off, you start praising the Lord. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you stand in the mirror and say, 
you is smart, you is kind, you is... I'm not saying that. But I want you to understand that if you want to destroy your own life, if you want to destroy your own self from the inside out, just keep on, keep on complaining about your life, keep on complaining about your looks, keep on telling yourself that you're fat, keep on telling yourself that you're ugly, keep on telling yourself that you're worthless, you just keep on speaking those words into your heart and you will tear your own heart out. Words have power. Do you want to hate school? You want to ruin your life at school? I'll tell you how to do it very, very simply. Just complain about school all the time. Just complain. Whine about school. Complain about homework. Continue to complain and, and begin to talk about your teachers like they're stupid. Complain and joke about your, stup your, your stupid teachers and complain about all your homework. Just, just continue to whine and complain about school. And I promise you, you will hate school. You, you, you'll ruin it. Same thing works with your, your life at work. Do you want to despise your job? You want to hate going to work every single day? It, it's a simple plan, and it's easy. All you got to do is, is complain about work all the time. Just to make sure that whenever you talk about work, it's negative. Make sure that you, that you talk about your boss and what a big pinhead that he is. Just make sure that you just keep talking about work, but complain about your hours. And tell yourself that you're the only one who does any work around that whole place. Tell yourself that you're the only one who cares. Just go ahead. Just keep on talking about work that way. And it's magical how before very long you'll hate your job. You'll hate the very side of the place. It's, you understand how it works? Because words have power. Would you like to have a miserable marriage? It's actually very easy. Complain about your spouse all the time. Preferably to their face. Just complain to them. Tell them how you do all the work and they do all the laying on the couch. Just go ahead. Keep saying that over and over and over. Nag and whine and complain. Talk about how much weight your, your wife has gained. Just go ahead. Just keep saying that. And, and follow them around the house and continue just to complain. Complain about his mother. Complain about the house. Complain about the yard. Just go right on ahead. Do you understand? When you were dating, you didn't do this. When you were dating, you spoke marvelously. You, you spoke words of love and, and beauty into each other's heart. When you were dating, you would say, oh, baby, you are so, you're so hot. Every time you walk in a room, you set off the fire alarms. I mean, do you remember saying that? You talk like that then, but, but you've gone from baby, you're so hot, baby, you're so beautiful, to now you say things like, I hate the way you chew. Am I right? I hate the way you chew. Just, just keep on. Because there's power in those words. And the more you complain, and the more you run down, and the more you just continue to belt out that filth and understand you're going to destroy your own life. That's what the Bible says. James says, you don't control your tongue, and you will set your whole life on fire. You will set your whole life on fire. It sounds simple, but it's not simple. We all make many mistakes. For If we could control our tongues, we'd be perfect and could control ourselves in every way. 
We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. A small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. The same way the tongue's a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Some of you right now, your life has fallen apart. It's crumbling. We could say your life's on fire. I don't know that it's all your fault. I can't say. But the Bible would suggest that at least for some of us, our life's on fire because our mouth set the spark. Our words are, are inflammatory. Our words are deadly poison. I'm speaking to Christians, you understand? I think I'm speaking to people who want to be like Christ. I think I'm speaking to people who love their spouse and honestly want to glorify God and bring glory to Christ in everything they do. I'm telling you that we can't do that. We, we can't glorify Christ. We can't be more like him. We can't enjoy our marriages. We can't enjoy our lives at work and school. We can't even have any kind of church until you and I learn to control our mouths. Understand? Most of the problems you have at this very moment go back to the spark you set with your words. You honestly can't ever take them back now, but you can change what comes out next. This is what I'm asking you to do. You take charge of what you say next. Pr pray with me. Lord, people talk a lot about sin, but we don't talk a lot about the sins that have to do with the way we talk. Lord, in this very room, we have liars. People, Lord, who go to work and, and, and they, they lie. Lord, Lord, they tell stories that aren't true. They, they tell stories about themselves. They try to sell products. Lord, they, they do all kinds of things based on lies. And, Lord, for some of us, telling a lie has become as easy as telling the truth. We just lie. Some of us, Lord, we gossip. In our hearts and minds, Lord, we don't think of ourselves as hurting people. We just don't understand how humiliating it is to know that other people have been talking about you but not to you. It's hurtful. It's humiliating. God, we don't think of it as gossip, Lord. We think of it as sharing prayer requests or vital information, Lord, but we truly have a delicious morsel of gossip on our lips, Lord, and though it hurts others, it just is too, too delicious for us not to share. God, help us. We, as parents, Lord, we have this power to speak words of encouragement or, or words of condemnation into our kids, Lord, and too often, Lord, we are the ones condemning and not encouraging. We'd rather criticize sometimes than praise. God, help us. As married people, Lord, we have this tremendous capacity to speak into the life of the one we say we love more than anybody else in the world, Lord, but we speak words of destruction and death and we're killing our marriage. 
Lord, some of us truly, our lives are on fire this very day, Lord, and we can feel the heat, but we've never understood where the spark comes from. The spark may be in our own mouth, from our own words. God, some of us would do anything to take words back. We would give anything if words had never been spoken to us or words had never been repeated by us or, Lord, that we never said what we said. But, Lord, what we've said is said. What is done is done. What is set in motion is set in motion, Lord. We cannot change what's been said. But, Lord Jesus, give us the grace to be in control of what gets said next from our mouths. If the power of life and death is in our own tongues, then, Lord, give us words of life. Words of life to speak. And, Lord Jesus, I pray that those words of life can come from hearts that have been resurrected to new life through you, O Christ. It comes out of our mouths because it's in us. And, Lord, we don't like to think about what is in us. But, Lord, you know. We're asking you, Lord, to change our hearts by your power, by your spirit. You change our hearts so that, Lord, what comes out of our mouth can be different. We want to speak words of life. We pray these things in Jesus' name, but for our own sakes. Amen.